Theseus has just been married and tells his new wife, Hippolyta, that all this talk of the four young lovers' bizarre experiences is more imagination than reality. When the young couples themselves enter, Theseus asks his servant for a catalogue of possible entertainments for the night. You know, typical royalty stuff. Sure enough, Theseus selects the mechanical's play, the tragedy of Pyramus and Thisbe. Indeed, Bottom and the other mechanicals get through their play, even get through is a bit too generous. Throughout the performance, the newlyweds interject their own sarcastic comments and reactions. Then, it's time for bed. The fairy king Oberon and queen Titania, reunited and reconciled at last, appear one final time to bless the palace and the lovers' marriage beds. Finally, only Puck remains, and warns us directly that if anything here has offended us, let's just think of it as no more than a dream. Come, ladies and gentlemen, royals and mechanicals, fairies and humans, let's listen to the conclusion of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Tis strange, my Theseus, these lovers speak of. More strange than true. I never may believe these antique fables, nor these fairy toys. Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies, that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. The lunatic, the lover, and the poet are of imagination all compact. One sees more devils than vast hell can hold, that is, the madman. The lover, all as frantic, sees Helen's beauty in the brow of Egypt. The poet's eye in fine frenzy rolled, doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, and as imagina imagination embodies forth the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives to airy nothing a local habitation and a name. Such tricks hath strong imagination, that if it would but apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy, or in the night, imagining some fear. How easy is a bush supposed a bear? But all the story of the night told over, and all their minds transfigured so together, more witnesses than fancy images, and gross is something of great constancy, but howsoever strange and admirable. Here come the lovers, full of joy and mirth. Joy, gentle friends. Joy and fresh days of love accompany your hearts. More than to us, wait in your royal walks, your gourd, your bed. Come now, what masks, what dances shall we have to wear away this long age of three hours between our after supper and bedtime? Where is our usual manager of mirth? What revels are in hand? Is there no play to ease the anguish of a torturing hour? Call Philistrate. Here, mighty Theseus. Say, what abridgment have you for this evening? What mask? What music? How shall we beguile the lazy time, if not with some delight? There's a brief how many sports are ripe. Make a choice of which your highness will see first. The battle with the centaurs, to be sung by an Athenian eunuch to the harp. Well, none of that. That I have told my love, and glory of my kinsman Hercules. 
The riot of the tipsy Bacchanals, tearing the Thracian singer in their rage. That is an old device, and it was played when I from Thebes came last to conqueror. The thrice three muses mourning for the death of learning, late deceased in beggary. That is some satire, keen and critical. Not soaring with a nuptial ceremony. A tedious brief scene of young Pyramus and his love Thisbe. Very tragical mirth. Merry and tragical, tedious and brief. That is hot ice and wondrous strange snow. How shall we find the concord of this discord? A play there is, my lord, some ten words long, which is as brief as I have known a play. But by ten words, my lord, it is too long, which makes it tedious. For all in the play, there is not one word apt, one player fitted, any tragical, my noble lord, it is. For Pyramus therein doth kill himself, which when I saw rehearsed, I must confess, made mine eyes water. But more merry tears the passion of loud laughter never shed. What are they that do play it? Hard-handed men that work in Athens here, which never labored in their minds till now, and now, having toiled in the unbreathed memories with the same play against your nuptial. And we will hear it. No, my lord, it is not for you. I have heard it over, and it is nothing in the word, unless you can find some sport in their intents. Extremely stretched and conned with cruel pain do you service. I will hear that play. For never anything can be amiss when simpleness and duty tender it. Go, bring them in, and take your places, ladies. I love not to see wretchedness recharged and duty in his service perishing. Why, gentle sweet, you shall see no such thing. He says they can do nothing in this kind. The kind are we to give them thanks for nothing. Our sport shall be to take what they mistake. And what poor duty cannot do, noble respect takes it in might, not merit. Where I have come, great clerks have proposed to meet me with premeditated welcomes, where I have seen them shiver, look pale, make periods in the midst of sentences, throttle their practice accent in their fears, and in conclusion dumbly have broke off, not paying me a welcome. Trust me, sweet, out of this silence, yet I picked a welcome, and in the modesty of fearful duty, I read as much from the rattling tongue of saucy and audacious eloquence. Love, therefore, and tongue-tied simplicity, and least speak most to my capacity. So please, your grace, the prologue is addressed. Let, let him approach. <clears throat> if we offend, it is with our goodwill that you should think we come not to offend, but with goodwill, to show our simple skill that is the true beginning of our end. Consider then we come but in despite. We do not come as minding to contest you, our true intent is. All for your delight, we are not here. That you should here repent you, the actors are here at hand, and by their show you shall know all that you are like to know. This fellow doth not stand upon points. He hath writ his prologue like a rough cult. He knows not the stop. A good moral, my lord, it is not. Enough to speak, but to speak true. Indeed, he hath played on his prologue like a child on a recorder, a sound but not in government. His speech was like a tangled chain, nothing impaired, 
but all disorder. Who is next? <clears throat> Gentles, perchance you wonder at this show, but wonder on, till truth make all things plain. This man is Paramus, if you would know, this beauteous lady is Thisbe, is certain. This man with lime and rough cast doth present wall, that vile wall which did these lovers sunder, and through walls chink poor souls, they are content to whisper. At which let no man wander, this man with lanthorn, dog, and bush of thorn presenteth moonshine, for, if you will know, by moonshine did these lovers think no scorn to meet at Ninus's tomb, there, there to woo. This grisly beast, which lion hides by name, the trusty Thisbe, coming first by night, did scare away, or rather did affright. And as she fled, her mantle did she did fall, which lion vile with bloody mouth did stain. Anon comes Perimus, sweet youth and tall, and finds his trusty Thisbe mantle slain. Whereat, with blade, with bloody, blameful blade, he bravely broached his boiling, bloody breast, and Thisbe, tearing in mulberry shade, his dagger drew and died. For all the rest, let lion, moonshine, war, and lovers twain, at large discourse, while here they do remain. I wonder if the lion be to speak. No wonder, my lord. One lion may, when many asses do. In this same interlude, it doth befall that I, one snout by name, present a wall. And such a wall, as I would have you think, that had in it a crannied hole or chink, through which the lovers Pyramus and Thisbe did whisper often very secretly. This loam, this rough cast, and this stone doth show that I am that same wall, the truth is so, and this the cranny is chink, right and sinister, through which the fearful lovers are to whisper. Would you desire lying in hair to speak better? It is the wittiest partition that ever I heard discourse, my lord. Pyramus draws near the wall. Silence. <clears throat> oh, grim luck, nut! Oh, night with hue so black! Oh, night which ever our day is not! Oh, night! Oh, night! Alack! Alack, alack! I fear my Disney's promise is forgot! And thou, O wall, O sweet, O lovely wall, that stands between her father's crown and mine, that wall, O wall, O sweet, O lovely wall! Show me thy chink to blink thee with mine eye. Chink. But courteous wall, Jove shield thee well for this. What I see, no this be, do I see? Oh, wicked wall, through whom I see no bliss. Cursed by thy stones, with thus deceiving me. The wall, methinks, being sensible, should curse again. No, true, sir. He should not. Deceiving me, it says he's cute. She stands now, not to spot her through the wall. You shall see, little for a pack, as I told you. Yonder, she comes. <coughs> oh, wall, full often 
see your voice. Now I will to the chink. chink. The spy that I can hear by Fizby's face. Fizby! My love! Thou art my love, I think. Think what thou wilt. I am thy lover's grace. And like Lymander, am I trusty still. And I, like Helen, to the fates me kill. Not Shaphelus to Procuse was so true. A shackless to progress, I to you. Oh, kiss me through the hole in this vile wall. I kiss the wall's hole. Not your lips at all. between the two neighbors. No remedy, my lord, when walls are so willful to hear without warning. This is the silliest stuff that I have ever heard. The best in this kind are but shadows, and the worst are no worst, if imagination amend them. It must be your imagination, then, and not theirs. If we imagine no worse of them than they of themselves, they may pass for excellent men. Here come two noble beasts, and a man and a liar. You, ladies, you, whose gentle hearts do fear the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on the floor may now perchance both quake and tremble here when lion rough and wildest rage doth roar. Then know that I, one snug the joiner, am a lion fell nor else no lion's dam. For if I should as lion come in strife into this place, twere pity on my life. A very gentle beast of a good conscience. The very best of a beast, my lord, that e'er I saw. This lion is very fox for his valor. True, and a goose for his discretion. Not so, my lord, for his valor cannot carry his discretion, and the fox carries the goose. His discretion, I am sure, cannot carry his valor. For the goose carries not the fox, it is well, to leave it to his discretion. And let us listen to the moon. This lanthorn doth the horned moon present. He should have worn the horns on his head. He is no crescent, and his horns are invisible within the circumference. This lanthorn doth the horned moon present. Myself the man in the moon do seem to be. This is the greatest error of all the rest. The man should be put into the lanthorn. How else is it the man in the moon? He dares not come there for the candle, for you see, it is already in snuff. I am aweary of this moon. Would he would change? It appears, by his small light of discretion, that he is in the wane. But yet, in courtesy, in all reason, we must stay the time. Proceed, man. All that I have to say is to tell you that the lanthorn is the moon, I the man in the moon, this thornbush my thornbush, and this dog my dog. 
Why all these things should be in the lanthorn? For all these are in the moon. Oh, but silence. Here comes Thisbe. This is poor Minnie's tomb. Where is my love? Roar. Well roared, Lion. Well run, Thisbe. Well shown, Moon. Truly, the moon shines with a good grace. Well mouse, Lion. And so the line vanished. And then came Pyrrhus. Sweet moon, I thank thee for thy sunny beams. Ow! I thank thee, moon, for shining out so bright. Ow! For by thy gracious, hey, golden, hey, glittering, ow, gleams, ow, just to take of truest as be sight. But stay, oh, spite. For mark, poor knight, what dreadful dole is here, eyes, do you see, how can it be, oh, dainty duck, oh, dear, thy mantle good, what, stained with blood, approach, he furries fell, oh, fate, oh, come, cut dreads and thrum, quail, crush, conclude, and quell, this passion and the death of a dear friend would go near to make a man look sad. Be shrew my heart, but I pity the man. Oh, wherefore, nature, didst thou lie in frame? Roar! Lion, Bible, Matthew, the flower, my dear. Which is? No, no, which was? The fairest dame that lived, that loved, that light, that look with cheer, come tears, confound, out sword and wound. The pap, I the left pap, where hot doth hot ow, ow, thus I die, I thus, thus, now I am dead, now I am fled, my soul is in the sky, ow. Tongue loose thy light, moon lose thy flight. Ow, exit moonshine. Now die, 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 dies. No die, but an ace for him, for he is but one. Less than an ace, man, for he is dead. He is nothing. With the help of a surgeon, he might yet recover and prove an ass. How chance Moonshine is gone before Thisbe comes back and finds her lover? She will find him by starlight. Here she comes, and her passion ends the play. Methinks she should not use such a long one for such a Pyramus. I hope she will be brief. A mole will turn the balance. Which Pyramus, which Thisbe, is the better? He for a man, God warn us. She for a woman, God bless us. She hath spied on him already with those sweet eyes. And thus she means Videlicy. Asleep, my love? What? Dead, my tongue? Oh, here is her eyes! Speak, speak! Quite dumb? Dead, dead! A tomb must cover thy sweet eyes! These my lips, this cherry nose, these yellow cowslip cheeks are
Moonshine and Lion are left to bury the dead. I and Wall, too. No! I'll show you. The wall is down, that part of the fathers. Will you please you see the epilogue? Or did you hear a burger mask dance between two of our company? No epilogue, I pray you. For your play needs no excuse, never excuse. For when the players are all dead, there needs none to be blamed. Mary, if he that riddit had played Pyramus and hanged himself in Thisbe's garter, it would have been a fine tragedy. And so it is, truly, and very notably discharged. But come, your Burgo mask, let your epilogue alone. The iron tongue of midnight hath told twelve. Lovers, to bed, tis almost fairy time. I fear we shall outsleep the coming morn. As much as we this night have overwatched, this palpable, gross play hath well beguiled the heavy gate of the night. Sweet friends, to bed, a fortnight hold we this solemnity, in nightly revels a new jollity. Now the hungry lion rolls, and the wolf behowls the moon, whilst the heavy plowman snores, all with weary task foredone. Now the wasted brands do glow, whilst the screech owl, screeching loud, puts the wretch that lies in woe, in remembrance of a shroud. Now it is the time of night that the graves all gaping wide, every one lets forth his sprite in the churchway paths to glide. And we fairies that do run by the trifled Hecate's team, from this presence of the sun, following darkness like a dream. Now our frolic, not a mouse, and shall disturb this hollowed house. I am sent with broom before to sweep the dust behind the door. Through the house give gathering light. By the dead and drowsy fire, every elf and fairy sprite. Hop as light as bird from briar, in this ditty after me, sing and dance it trippingly. First, rehearse your song by rote, to each word a whirling note, hand in hand with fairy grace, while we sing and bless this place. Now until the break of day, through this house each fairy stray, to the best bride bed will we, which by us shall blessed be, and the issue there create ever shall be fortunate, so shall all the couples three ever true and loving be, and the blots of nature's hand shall not in their issue stand, never mole, hairlet, nor scar, nor mark prodigious such as are despised in nativity, shall upon their children be, with this field do consecrate, every fairy take his gate, and each several chamber bless, through this palace with sweet peace, and the owner of it bless, ever shall in safety rest. Trip away, make no stay, meet me all by break of day. Here, and this weak and idle theme no more yielding but a dream. 
Gentles, do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. And as I am an honest pup, if we have unearned luck now to scape the serpent's tongue, we will make amends ere long. Else the puck a liar call. So good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. This is Claire Samard, director of Midsummer Night's podcast. If you're listening to this, you've made it through all five episodes. Bravo! I'd like to take this opportunity to thank several people who have contributed to the podcast. Keith Henderson, our technical director and master sound designer, who tirelessly edited every single soundbite and worked miracles stitching together sound clips to make a seamless story come together. Tyler Wolfson, master of received pronunciation, whose spirited narration gave this podcast its panache and pomp. Lori Kriegel, communications whiz, who rolled out the podcast and made it available for you to listen to. Matt Burns, for his brilliant cameo appearance as Aegeus, and the entire cast of Midsummer. Ben Greco, Sayla Hess, Alex Ancona, Will Thaler, Allie Byrne, Harry Brown, Ethan Hale, John Paul Shevchuk, and Chris Bishop. Thank you for all the laughs, dance parties, and hikes in the woods. Thank you for trusting this process and for going on this journey with me. And thank you, listeners, for giving us an audience. Fairies away.